Hi, I'm Siobhan Fletcher and welcome back to a brief history of Pride. Last week we heard from some of the members of the charity Isle of Pride, who organised the first public event held here on the island. This time we're going to look back at last year's event and hear a little bit about why you won't see one, at least on the same scale, at the Villa Marina this year. And the sun begins to A lot happened on the Isle of Man for the LGBTQ plus community last year. In June, pardons for people convicted of homosexual offences took effect, 30 years after consensual homosexual acts were decriminalised. Basically, a clause within the Sexual Offences and Obscene Publications Bill 2021 was switched on, paving the way for individuals to automatically receive pardons. A disregard process was also established to allow people to apply to have previous convictions wiped from their criminal record. Then, in August, former Chief Constable Gary Roberts became the first police chief in the British Isles to apologise for the ways in which laws criminalising homosexuality were sometimes enforced. It followed repeated calls from campaigners such as Alan Shea for him to do so. Mr Roberts wrote a five-page letter to the Isle of Pride charity, which highlighted the institutionalised approach of the police force at the time. He described the document as being, in many ways, the most difficult letter he's ever had to write in a lifetime of public service. I got our Lewis Foster to voice an extract for you. It is clear to me that I should do what is necessary to try to help draw a line under the past so that older members of the gay community and their families and friends can begin to see the constabulary for what it is now, not from what some of them personally experienced many years ago, but from what it does now every day of the year. It's a matter of deep and lasting regret to me that people in our community, some of whom were criminalised because of their sexuality, feel that the way the police treated them was so profoundly wrong as to make them feel fear, distrust or even hate the constabulary. Whilst I cannot apologise for the act of enforcing the law, I can and will apologise for the way that law was sometimes enforced. That apology was welcomed by the community here, including Alan Shea, who fought so hard to make it happen. I've been pushing for this since after the campaign. A couple of years after that, then I, I started campaigning a lot on my own and with a few others getting this apology. One, because my home was watched by the police outside here. People would stop coming into my home. My home was raided by the police, looking for Mad Dog McGee. It was now already terrorists. And you and checked in those days, we had not pro- modern freezers, but we had little box freezers. And they even looked in that. They looked in everything. I said, we won't be in there. It's too small. And then your phones tap constantly. So I wanted this apology, not just because of what happened to me. People lost children. People lost parents. You know what I mean? And some of these men had children too. They were bisexual. And, you know, this apology is for everybody. Um, I was happy it's being given. Gary Roberts, you know, has done a good thing because he's the first chief constable in the British Isles to issue an apology. So, one, the Alabama has jumped forward. Now, in the United Kingdom, they are now trying to do what I've done, getting police to apologise for what they did. More recently, Alan spoke at the launch of a new campaign. He appeared via video link into an event held in the House of Lords. 
The hashtag ApologiseNow campaign aims to see UK police chiefs follow the island's example. It's been spearheaded by the Peter Tatchell Foundation in memory of TV star Paul O'Grady, who passed away earlier this year. The Isle of Man Constabulary was certainly the big topic at Pride last year. After the apology from Gary Roberts was published, police officers were invited along to take part in the festival. They'd been prevented from participating the year before, something that Mr Roberts argued affected mainly younger LGBTQ plus members of the force, most of whom had not been born when relationships were strained. The decision was met with a mixed reaction. Two drag performers brought a protest to the event, stating that uniformed police officers should not be allowed to attend Pride because it completely disregards queer history and activism. Ashton Gibson, also known as Nona Binary, and Owen Atkinson, also known as Fenella Beach, held up signs reading No Cops at Pride and No Pride in Policing. I spoke to Owen, who you may also know as a former Manx Bard, about why they felt the protest was necessary. Pride is a protest, and Pride has always been a protest. Um, and so me and a fellow drag artist, Nona Binary, we felt that we had the right to hold up signs with our opinions on them, which I think were not even that controversial. We didn't say anything specifically negative about the police. All we said that we did not think that police belonged at Pride, bearing in mind the history of Pride, why it was created. Pride was a riot against police. That's why police were killing queer people, straight up. And it was not okay. And they rose up and that's why we have pride, Stonewall riots. We all know the story. And we felt that we didn't agree that the police on the Isle of Man had been explicitly invited to attend pride that year. And we decided to express that opinion on signs. And I don't think that should have been controversial. Other people disagree. <laughs> we, I say I, we, me, yeah, me and Nona were like standing together on that and we stand firm in our beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I know today as well, a lot of queer people, including myself, do not feel safe around the police. And Pride is a place for us to be celebrated and feel accepted and feel safe in that space. And if queer people are looking and seeing, oh, the police are here, I don't feel safe, then is it really a Pride, you know? And yeah, there is there's there's a, there's a global context um, towards like police violence towards queer people. I mean, it's still happening in a lot of places around the world right now, and we just felt it was unnecessary. Really, people say, "Oh, what about queer police officers?" Well, I think that police officers, queer police officers, should be free to attend Pride. But why do they have to do it in uniform? Why do they have to do it in a uniform that's caused and uh, that reminds everybody of so much pain for our community? Why do, why do you have to express that in this space? I think that, um, yeah, I think that it would have been very easy to have said, thank you for your apology, and then not said, and then not explicitly invited the police to Pride. And um, obviously we all, we, with that as well, we can get onto the decision of, the idea of who made that decision. The Isle of Pride board at the mm -hmm. time, who made that decision, were mostly made up of straight people. And it's like, well, why are you deciding this for us? And then obviously that, is part of the bigger reason why Isle of Pride disbanded and we're reforming and, um, yeah, coming back stronger. <laughs> I guess, like, to just to touch on that, speaking to the, the Isle of Pride committee, they would sort of say 
that when the argument came out of, you know, the board, like you say, is mostly straight white women, mm-hmm. that they didn't want to then explicitly say who was straight and who wasn't because it was almost like a pressure to out people if they weren't already out kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like almost, I do, yeah. So there was that argument from them as well, but also the argument of, I guess, to get to the place where we're, you know, legal and we can live our lives and do these things, we needed, you know, straight politicians and straight people to kind of back us and fight for us a little bit you know like Hazel Hannon I mean no one's gonna disagree with that but so do you think that just the fact that they were willing to kind of help put on an event was that not enough in a way does it need to be everyone in the committee needs to be LGBTQ plus or do you think it just needed maybe a bit more of a balance I think more of a balance would have been helpful obviously I'm very very grateful to everybody on the board who helped make Pride happen. You know, it's a lot of work and, you know, we're all extremely grateful that we could have that event and we could have that space together. And I think that we were simply calling for more queer people to be included in that process. I'm not saying that you have to, you know, prove that you're gay in order to be able to uh, organise a Pride, but there could have just been a bit more conversation, I think. Like the board could have hypothetically consulted the community before they made decisions on our behalf things like that i don't know it's tricky i'm I'm still yeah as i say i'm still very grateful and allies are very important to our fight but pride is not for allies it's for queer people and allies are welcome if they respect us As Owen and I touched on there, alongside the protests against the police, some members of the wider LGBTQ plus community questioned those involved in Isle of Pride at the highest level. A common criticism was that the board of directors was predominantly straight cisgender women. Cisgender meaning that you identify with the gender identity assigned at birth. Following some of the criticism from the wider Manx LGBTQ plus community, the directors of Isle of Pride unanimously decided to discontinue the charity. In a statement published at the time, they said they believed the time was right for new ideas to be explored and steered by the community themselves. Last week, we heard from drag queen Vida LaFierce, who was one of the members of the Isle of Pride committee. During our conversation, she also spoke to me about the winding down of the organisation. It was unfortunate, I think, uh, the the way things kind of fizzled. But that was ironically to do with not anyone outside the community causing it to not work. It was ironically from people within the community who um, decided to attack the very hardworking committee. I was I was in shock that the that the attack was basically that so many of the committee and the directors were straight cis people, and it was like, wow, so you're discriminating based on sexual orientation okay um is that not what we're fighting against and to be honest i think allies are as important part of the community as anyone else you know we need allies and i think it was very sad that um just a few a, a few people had a problem with the committee and the directors they said oh they're speaking for the whole community they never they never tried to do that. But in publicly accusing them of doing that, they were actually doing what they were accusing the uh, charity of, which I, I thought was quite ironic. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's sad that it, it couldn't have um, been salvaged. 
and that people would let some misplaced hate like kill something like that and i remember being devastated when i found out about it it was it was very very sad and it, it did feel initially when the news came the charity was was winding up it did feel like a lot of work had been done for nothing mm-hmm. but sitting and thinking about it afterwards the amazing work that Isle of Pride did is there forever. Um, there were two successful, like very successful Pride events pulled off. The spirit of Pride is very much alive and well on the island. People are still talking about those brilliant events. You know, so the work the work worked, and it's, it's still there and it will live on. Uh, let's just hope we can bring about a next generation and uh, something su- successful again. And hopefully try and get some of the Isle of Pride people back in. Because, A, they were amazing, wonderful people. And they had the drive and the skills to make it happen. Because there's a lot of skilled work goes into Mm. putting something like that together. You can't just randomly decide, hey, I want to make a Pride. When you're putting together a charity and an organization, there are certain skills that you need. And... um, the old group had them in abundance all these brilliant skills great minds and just sheer grit and determination uh to make it happen Mm -hmm. and i often think that those who can do and those who can't moan behind people's backs and despite the way isle of pride ended so dramatically last year Vida tells me she's hopeful we'll see an event on a similar scale at some point in the future. One way or another, I would love to see something of that scale again. And I I do think it will happen. I'm pretty sure it will happen. And I don't think it'll be... It, it's not going to be this year. But I don't think it's going to be that far away. I think, you know, there's there's enough people that want it to happen. And I'm willing to get involved, you know, with, with anything I can... And I know there's a lot of other people who'd like to get involved in whatever way they can. I think if we put together the right team to do it, that can not just say, oh, I'd love this to happen, but people with the right skills to make it happen and and the determination to follow follow it through. It's going to take some big shoes to fill from, from the previous charity, but it's got to be people with the right skill sets to make it happen. Elsewhere, last year's Pride event platformed an issue still facing the Manx gay community, the inability to donate blood. Local actor and star of Netflix smash hit Heartstopper, Joe Locke, delivered this pre-recorded message via a video on the big screen. The island has come so far in the last 30 years, legalising same-sex marriage in 2016 and in 2021 banning conversion therapy for all LGBT people, something the UK government has failed and is failing to do. But there is still work to be done. The Isle of Man to this day does not allow gay men to donate blood, an archaic rule that was placed into force during the height of the AIDS pandemic. These rules have slowly changed in the UK since then, allowing gay men to donate blood under certain rules, but not on the island. In 2014, a consultation into changing the rules was launched, with the outcome being that the policy was under review. This was six years ago and nothing has changed. I call upon the Manx government and our politicians within Timwald to change this archaic law and bring the island one step closer on its journey to acceptance. As a result of this public call-out, a rule change was announced on the 18th of May this year. 
Gay men on the Isle of Man will be allowed to give blood for the first time following a rule change. From the 1st of June, all donors will be subject to the same screening processes, regardless of their sexuality or gender. Siobhan Fletcher reports. Previously, men who had sex with men were not permitted to give blood, a rule criticised last year by Manx actor Joe Locke at a recorded address to Isle of Pride. The Department of Health and Social Care and Manxcare say they have now updated the screening criteria based on the latest evidence relating to blood donation and sexual behaviour presented by the first steering group, making the process more inclusive. It adds the screening questions have also been redesigned to ask all potential donors about recent illnesses, medications, travel or sexual activities that may prevent them from donating. A safety check it assures is confidential and ensures donors are fit to give blood and it's safe for patients to receive. When I sat down with some of the Isle of Pride organisers, Claire Barber and Jane Poole Wilson, they said that it was important to platform issues like this. It would be fair to say that there had been work previously, because I know certainly that um, Alex Allenson, for example, as a backbencher, put questions in on that topic. It's certainly something that I had you know, chased within health. But I think having someone of that high, you know, high profile at an event of that size call something out unquestionably focuses the mind. Um, so there was work going on behind the scenes. And I'm not suggesting that just because someone says something, we can suddenly do things lots quicker. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, you know, it certainly perhaps changes priorities a little bit because it shows just the level of feeling there is behind something. And that was clear. You know, as you say, there may well be some people who hadn't realised that, that that inequality still existed here, where it had been resolved in the UK, for example. Um, and actually, the fact that there had been work going on behind the scenes, I think, will have made that easier to resolve. Um, but certainly, I thought it was just great to see the the press release go out only a couple of weeks ago that suddenly you know we, we've resolved we've walked you know we've recognized that issues there mm-hmm. it's been given a huge amount of you know center stage profile by someone who's using their platform to influence in a really positive way um in the way joe Locke did for pride and there's there's an end end result and i think that's you know, it almost encapsulates for me what pride has been about is giving a really high profile voice to an issue in a really constructive way and then seeking to deliver the change that's been requested and there are still things that need doing so I think that's what I always kept fresh in my mind you know there's there's initial work started around trans healthcare pathways for example manx care you know but that's not finished yet there's still work to be done and that's really important and at a time when trans rights are being eroded um, around the world you know actually it's really you know, brilliant i think to see manx care putting a real spotlight on something that is in need of um, being really toughened up and strengthened to make sure we're delivering the right health care for uh, our, our trans community our trans friends and our trans family so you know there are other things we've talked about hate crime as you say I, I know there will be other inequalities that will come to light but if we can shine a light on them and we can then lead to change then actually for me pride serving its purpose and I think what's so powerful about the event as well it, it it's a platform but actually when I look at everybody who was at the event it's also a real opportunity for people to learn and understand and I think when you create that space in a community and we move away from quite a a polarized if you like or you know quite a yeah quite a quite a polarized binary way of of discussing what we should all care about which is what's the experience of individuals in our community and are there gaps in in how we're caring for people and we need to understand that and then we need to work on how we address that and I think an event like Pride 
creates that more constructive space to articulate gaps and needs, but also to develop in our community as a whole an appreciation and an understanding and a support for making positive change. And that, for me, is the difference between, I suppose, just just raw kind of campaigning and something that really celebrates our community in all its diversity and brings people together. Last year we had a protest that was quite prominent. What was your reaction when that kind of happened? I think my my concern is not around protest because I recognise that protest is absolutely the right thing. And I think for me it was specifically about how the the signs were written actually. So it wasn't no police at Pride, which I think I, I understand why for some people that is something that they're looking for. Um, I, I don't agree. And I also know that we had a lot of communication from people who also don't agree with that. So I was, you know, I'm conscious I'm talking as someone who is cisgender, heterosexual, but that was you know, also an, a shared point. But it said there was no pride in policing. And for me, that was something that really I found very difficult because, you know, Jane's talked earlier, we had police who are LGBTQ plus on our committee. We had we know that there were police who were in attendance in their own right at that event who are either LGBTQ plus or certainly have direct family members who are. Um, and we also recognise that you know, within our constabulary who represent us every day, we have people who rightly reflect the society we live in. So to single-handedly undermine an entire organisation based on one part of their identity for me sadly does exactly the same as happened to the LGBTQ plus population in previous times and I just I can't stand by for that level of discrimination anymore than I would stand by for any other discrimination in any other community and I was very uncomfortable with that being the narrative at an event that was being organised that was to celebrate diversity inclusion and equality. Yeah I mean I'd I have the same feeling because, you know, I did chair the Constabulary Inclusion Scrutiny Group when I was a quality champion. So I was I I actually found that a really, really important forum. And I saw the levels of engagement and also the fact that the constabulary bring in members from that group, which, as I say, it's a very diverse group. It represents different disabilities, but it also represents LGBTQ+. It um, had people of colour on there, different religions. The, the whole idea was to be able to reflect into the constabulary who lives on the Isle of Man and to understand more about their needs. But they are actively involved, for example, in the recruitment process in the constabulary to make sure that that, because what we want from all our police officers is that they first and foremost serve the community in which they live and they understand and care about that community and so I had seen firsthand the amount of work that had gone on to make a difference actually to make that change that was so important given our our history and so I I just couldn't I couldn't agree either actually and it's not saying that protest is wrong of course it isn't I mean I I, I remember being at Timwell Day when Alan Shea protested because I was back from university and that was so important and so courageous at the time and and I remember feeling horrified that this place I'd grown up my home that this was the way we could treat people I I was so upset about it and his courage and the ability to protest and and say this is not okay that is massive so it's not about protest I guess it's it's the message and the and the what you're saying because protest for me is about drawing attention to things that need to change and then getting people galvanised to deliver that change. And that just felt to me like it was not the right message at that time. Now,
You've been listening to the fourth instalment of a special series exploring the history of Pride right here on Manx Radio. Next week, we'll be looking at why we still need Pride, both here and around the world. We absolutely need Pride, as long as you know queer people don't feel safe on the streets, as long as queer kids don't feel safe coming out to their parents, we still need Pride. When you're actually discussing with people online, the very quickly becomes something apparent when, when you say, like, what's your problem with drag queens? And they say, oh, well, it's adult entertainment. It's like, nope. What's happening in America is happening on the Isle of Man. It's a scary time, and, and Pride most definitely is needed. I'm Siobhan Fletcher, and I'll see you next week.